It's good again to see all of you here. We appreciate your presence and uh, want to ask you to get your Bible and uh, open it to that scripture that was just read in Acts chapter 8 and follow along as we talk about some things um, that I hope will be of interest to you this morning. I do want to make mention of a couple things that, well, one took place yesterday. Yesterday was the Bible Bowl at Cookville. We had, I don't know, roughly 20, I didn't ever stop to, to count exactly, but maybe 20 young people that participated in this. They spent the last couple months uh, studying the book of Exodus. And when I say studying the book of Exodus, I'm not saying, who led the children of, out of uh, Egypt? Moses. Not those kind of questions. I, difficult questions that um, most of us would not be able to answer. But they got into the book of Exodus and they learned that frontwards and backwards and participated in the Bible Bowl. I think if I heard correctly, there were 478 teams of young people at Tennessee Tech University yesterday that participated in this Bible Bowl. Approximately 2,000 young people and then all the people that helped and parents and so forth were there. And uh, I, I just want to commend our young people for being involved in that and doing as well as they did. I also want to commend the parents and Jeff Smith. Jeff worked out uh, a booklet by which they studied, and not only our kids benefited from it, but I had people coming up to me there at the Bible Bowl saying, tell whoever at Carnes thanks for putting that information because we use that in, at our congregation. And so there's been a lot of work, a lot of people. And I could name names, but I'm going to stop because I'll forget somebody. But um, I just want to say thanks. That's a great event. And uh, we were very well represented yesterday. Also, it's good to see Mike Anderson back um, after back surgery. Don't pat him on the back as you leave. Just tell him you're glad to see him. And uh, it's good that he's able to be uh, here with us today. And one more thing. Um, I have some friends here from Glasgow, Kentucky. Gary and Betty Edmonds are here. Gary's a deacon at South Green, and uh, they showed up this morning. It's a pleasant surprise. Gary doesn't know this, but he has preached, even though he hasn't stood up here, he, he can restore automobiles like nobody's business. You can see an old wreck that has been rusting for 50 years out in some uh, place where the weeds have grown up taller than it. And he can take that thing and just give him a couple months and it'll look like that rolls off the, the showcase floor. It's, it's incredible. And what he's taught me are lessons about restoration and... Um, what we need to do to go back to the Bible and what it takes to go back. And I've, I've intended to get with Gary and to take some pictures and use that and develop a sermon around that. Never got around to doing that, but um, it's good to have Gary and Betty here. Now, to today's lesson, Acts chapter 8. We're, we're familiar with the story probably, the story of the Ethiopian nobleman, the Ethiopian eunuch. This man travels from Ethiopia all the way to Jerusalem to worship God and then goes back. And on his way back, he runs into Philip or Philip runs to meet him. And they begin to talk about Jesus. And before they, they part their ways, this nobleman is baptized into Christ and becomes a child of God. And what I think is interesting about this story, of course, we understand the conversion event, but there's more than just 
here's what you have to do to be saved. This is, the, this is proof you need to be baptized. That, that certainly is there. But there's more to this story than just the necessity or the essential nature of baptism. There is a lesson that I believe that may touch all of us in terms of finding this great treasure that is to be had. It's, it's ironic that this nobleman from Ethiopia is the treasurer. That's his position. And he travels nearly 2,000 miles from home and he discovers a treasure. He's the country treasurer, but he leaves home and finds a treasure. And I'd like to look at three things that helped him to find the greatest treasure of all. And these are things that I believe that we need and that will help us to take advantage of the same thing. And here's point number one. This man was willing to look for something more. He was willing to look for something more. What I mean by that is this man is an Ethiopian. He, he's way down here in Africa. Well, what's he doing in Jerusalem? Why is he worshiping God in Jerusalem? Well, the only thing, the only reason is that he had come to the, the faith of, of God. He became a, maybe a proselyte and was coming to Jerusalem to worship God. Though he were, was a Gentile, he, was, he accepted the, the religion of the Jews. I want you to think about that. You didn't have to proselyte in the Old Testament. God had laws for those who were Gentiles. They didn't have to become Jews to be saved. They could live during that period under the laws that God had given under the patriarchy. They, they had a moral code by which they lived. And, and he could have been content with that, but he wanted more. He looked for more. He wanted a closer relationship to God. And he wanted to come into this relationship through Judaism. But here's what I think is just so interesting, is that this man traveled 2,000 miles to, well, to do basically what we would say is stand in the foyer. If he was a Gentile, which more than likely he was, when he got to Jerusalem to the temple to worship, he wasn't allowed to go in where everybody else was. The, the, The temple had various courts, four courts, and the priest could be in the inner court, and then the men, and then the women, and... And then the Gentiles. He wasn't even allowed where it was all happening. Who would travel 2,000 miles to go stand in the foyer? If you could advance a slide once right now, there's a map here. If you can see where Ethiopia is, just follow that red line. This, This man traveled by way of chariot from Ethiopia and worked his way all the way up to Jerusalem to worship. 2,000 miles. Have you ever made a 2,000-mile trip? That's probably pretty close to going from here to, to Los Angeles. I don't know the mileage, but it's probably pretty close. That's a long trip in a car. Imagine in a chariot. Imagine the hazards that he would have found along the way. Imagine how long the trip would have taken. We're not given that information, but it would have been a very difficult journey. He didn't have air conditioning. Uh, He didn't have all the, the comforts that we have. There were no motels to stop in like we have. 
he was bound and determined to worship his God, though. Because he looked for something. He could have stayed in Ethiopia and been faithful to God. But he was looking for something more. And so he came all the way to Jerusalem to do that. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 that we're to study and to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to learn to be a student of God's word and to look for something more. Folks, a, a relationship to God does not just simply come through a casual glance at God revealed in Scripture. But it comes through a diligent search, a looking, a, a um, look that is not casual but, but diligent. In John chapter 5 and verse 39, Jesus said, You all search the Scriptures because in them you, you think you have eternal life. But these very Scriptures that you all are reading, they testify of me. And that's exactly what the... Here's this Ethiopian eunuch, and he's reading from Isaiah 53. He didn't understand what that meant, and Philip helped him to see that this is talking about Jesus. He was looking for salvation. He was reading. He had traveled 2,000... There was a time in our nation when people who were black could not even worship in buildings where white people were. I've heard of stories by, by Marshall Keeble and some of the things that some others have told that how that they would go to, to church and they would have to stand outside the building and listen through the windows to hear the gospel preached because they weren't allowed inside the building. Isn't that that's shameful? But how how diligent and how how dedicated people are to not be turned off by the people and to stay persistent because of their love and their desire for God. This man probably knew that he couldn't just walk right into the center of the temple complex and participate like a Jew. He probably knew before he ever left home, I'm traveling 2,000 miles just to stand in the foyer. Even the women uh, who were not looked on very highly in that day it, they had a court that was more inner than the Gentiles did. He went knowing that anyway, because he was looking for God. There was a sign that has been discovered, and I meant to put it in the slide just to give you a picture of it, but there was a sign from the first century that used to hang in the temple complex and it's a relic, but it, it gave warning that if you are a Gentile and you cross over into this area beyond this point, you'll be responsible for your own death because your life will be taken. We won't tolerate it. In fact, that's the trumped-up charges they made against Paul. Said he took a Gentile into the inner court, and that's why they almost killed him because of that very, that very charge. But here's a man who knows... I'm not even allowed here. But he traveled 2,000 miles just to stand in the foyer where God's people were. That's a man that is seeking God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe 
listen, that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them who not casually seek him, but diligently seek him. Can I ask you a question? Your search, your relationship to God, has it been a casual thing? Or would you characterize it as diligence? God said, I'll reward those who diligently seek me. The Bible tells us, uh, and we talked about in Bible class this morning, Psalm chapter 9, Proverbs 14. It talks about meditation, how that uh, a person will just think about day and night the Word of God and roll that over in your mind and try to come to grips and understanding of His will for your life. And the idea, do you think about God? And then again, we can read in uh, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. This treasurer found a great treasure because he was willing to look for more. He wasn't content with his religion at home. He wanted more. And he made an arduous journey 2,000 miles from home just so that he could get a glimpse of something more. We need to have that same commitment. Let me give you a second thing that would help us to find the treasure that he found. He was willing to listen to something new. Have you ever met someone that just will not listen to anything if it's new, if it's different, if it's something that their mother or father hadn't taught them or something they hadn't already been taught? He admitted that he did not understand the Word of God. Do we have the ability to admit that? Somebody may ask us a Bible question sometime and it may stump us, but instead of saying, I don't know, we have to come up, we, we have to give some answer. And so we come up with some far-fetched thing that just we shoot from the hip. We don't know. We just have to have an answer. Because we can't be wrong. We can't not know. Here's a man who's obviously dedicated to God. Proof of that is in the, the fact that he's willing to travel 2,000 miles. And somebody asks him a question, a Bible question. And you know what he says? I have no idea what I'm reading. I need some help. I need somebody to sit down with me and explain to me what these verses mean. And that's precisely what Philip did. In fact, the scripture that he was reading comes from Isaiah chapter 53. And I won't take the time to read it now. I was going to. But I want you to consider, that's the text, that's the messianic uh, passage, highly messianic, uh, in Isaiah, where Jesus is pictured as one who, by our vision, our sight, was despised and rejected by God. I mean, after all, he, he hang on a cross. He looked like a common thief, a common criminal. That's what happens to bad people. But this man, who was esteemed stricken, was the one who took our sins. And we didn't even recognize it. And so Philip begins to explain this to this very religious man. And he begins to tell him about Jesus. And no doubt this man hadn't heard about Jesus. He's 2,000 miles to the south down in Ethiopia. And Jesus, maybe he had heard, maybe word had spread, but how much or to what degree, I don't know. 
Maybe he had heard some things recently in Jerusalem while he was there to worship that had uh, clued him in a little bit about Jesus. And maybe that's why he was reading Isaiah 53. Could this man be the one? Philip sits down and explains to him a truth that he had not previously perceived. That Jesus was the suffering Messiah who took our sins. He became the sacrifice for our sins that we might be able to stand holy before God. And now he had a choice. Because he was willing to listen to something new, he now had a choice. And here's his choice. I can just close up my Bible and say, I'm not reading that anymore. That cuts too close to home. He could be like Felix, who, after he heard Paul preach, said, "Uh, I think maybe you just better go away and I'll call for you again at some more convenient season. He could say, I'm not listening to this stuff anymore. Don't want to hear it. Get out of my chariot. Go on your way. Or he could honestly investigate the claims and the information. A number of years ago, I knew a man that was a Christian. He had obeyed the gospel, but he was one of the most closed-minded men that I've ever met in my life. And I often had said to others that it was probably a good thing that someone taught him the truth early in his life because had they not taught him the truth, if they would have taught him error instead, he would hold just as tenaciously to that error than he would the truth, because no one was going to change his mind about anything. I don't want to be a person that's unwilling to look at the Word of God. I don't want to be a person that's afraid to examine the claims of men or or the truth of God's Word. Truth doesn't have anything to fear. If a person who you're friends with doesn't hold to the, the things that you hold to, they don't have the faith that you have Listen to them. Don't we want them to listen to us? Give them a fair hearing. But listen in view of Scripture. If it can't be substantiated, then reject it. Paul said it this way, let God be true and every man a liar. Let's not be afraid to examine truth and to hear things that, well, what if there's... Do you think there's anything left to learn? I think we all have more to learn about God and His Word. So let's listen. We might find great treasure. And then finally, this man was willing to leave his past. I I can't imagine how hard it must have been to make a decision that put him at odds, potentially with his family. I know that there are people sitting here today who became children of God, but to do so, you had to leave the religion of your mom and dad. You had to make decisions that put you at odds with your spouse or your children or your mom and dad. 
I can't, I didn't have that experience growing up. I grew up in a family that had, my mom and dad were Christians, and so I don't know that. But I I tell you, I do know, and I've talked to people that have experienced that. Just a couple weeks ago, I was talking with Rick Slago out of camp about how difficult that is to leave and to embrace something that is different. This man was willing to do that. There was a time when he was in Ethiopia practicing whatever religion they practiced, and he decided, I want to be a proselyte, and I want to go to Jerusalem and worship the God of the Jews. I believe he is the true God. I believe in Jehovah God, and I want to be as close to him as I can. And so I'm going to follow in and do the best I can in their religion as a proselyte. I don't know what kind of grief he took, if he took any for that matter, but I suspect there were people that talked about him. There was a price to pay. What do you mean you're... What do you mean you're taking a two-month vacation to go way up here to... to why are you going to... That's crazy. What are you, you can worship here. He was willing to leave the religion of his father and his mother and go be a part of something that was closer to God. I wonder if we have the same kind of courage, the courage to follow our convictions. I've had people say this to me. I can't do this. I had one man in particular say, you're right. Everything you've taught me is right. It comes from the Bible. But as long as my mother's alive, I'll never obey it. And he said, he gave the reason why. He said, because it'll break her heart. He said, she doesn't believe this way. And even though he said, you've shown me what is right, I won't obey it because I don't want to hurt my mom. Jesus said, there comes a point when if you want to be my disciple, you have to love me more than anything else. Even your mom and dad. Even your spouse. And if I find myself in a situation where I've learned truth, and that truth runs counter to the way I've been raised or to what I've understood previously or to what my mom and dad believe or believed. The question is, what will I do? Will I just coast? Will I make no decision? Or will I start over? Will I admit that I've been wrong? Will I seek truth above everything? All else, I hope that we'll do that latter. There are people who don't always act so virtuously. Even in the days of Jesus, there were rulers of the synagogue who believed that Jesus was the Christ, yet for fear of the Pharisees, they would not confess him, lest they be put out of the temple or out of the synagogue. John chapter 12, verse 48. This man loved his God. So much so he would travel 2,000 miles to worship in the foyer. No question about his commitments. But this man was a noble man in more than one respect. Because when he heard the truth, he wasn't afraid of it. He embraced it. 
and they stopped on that journey back to Ethiopia and they got out of the chariot and he said, here's water. What's keeping me from being baptized? Why can't I do what you've preached about? And Philip said, if you believe, you may. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And they both went down into the water and he baptized them. And they both came up out of the water. And the Bible says, then that Ethiopian eunuch went on his way rejoicing. A new relationship with God. A child of God. A Christian. And folks, that same thing that happened to him may be going on right now with some of us. Where are you today in this journey? You may not be a treasurer from a faraway land seeking treasure. You just may be an average person from the state of Tennessee looking for great treasure that will last you for all eternity. You know what you need to do to find that? You need to want it more than anything else in this world. You need to want it. You need to search for it. And you need to listen to people as they share with you what the Word of God says. And when the Word is spoken and it is true, whether you have practiced it in the past or whether it's something totally new and foreign to your ears, if it is what God's Word says, then listen to it and leave behind your past and obey it. Maybe you're here today finding yourself in that very situation. Be noble. Be courageous and follow Christ above all else. Let me tell you what Jesus said. Jesus said in Mark 16 and verse 16, He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. I know a lot of people say that's not true. You don't have to be baptized. They, they have other ways to be saved. Well, this is straight from Jesus. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That may not be what you've been taught, but it is the words of Jesus. And so we're left with a choice. Do I close this book and walk away? Or do I listen and obey? I hope you'll listen and obey. If you've never been baptized into Christ, why don't you make that decision this morning? Why don't you trust in God to keep His Word And love Him more than your friends and your family. And God will save you. And you can leave here today just like that Ethiopian nobleman. You can go on your way rejoicing, knowing that your sins are forgiven. If you're a child of God already but unfaithful, maybe there are some things in your life you need to just come clean with and say, I've messed up, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Do that. And God will forgive you. We'll pray with you to the end that you'll be stronger and more faithful. If you need to respond, won't you come as we stand together and sing?